Hey, welcome back to Season 3 of Pigeonal Hockey, a participating member of the Hockey Focus Family Podcast. This is Chris and today's co-host, Steve. Hey, how's it going, hockey fans? And you know us, we're just a couple goalies that have taken one too many pucks at a head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. On this episode, we want to welcome our special guest, a broadcaster with the USPHL's Rogue Valley Royals, Sam Maluth. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for taking the time to jump on today. Absolutely. Anytime. No, we're excited to have you on. We listen to, uh, like I said, I watch all the games in the West, so I've got to watch all the Rogue Valley games so far in its short, short history. The pair of you, uh, and who, who's your broadcast partner there? My, pro- my partner is uh, Kyle Clements, and uh, he does a fantastic job. Um, he, brings the, he brings the excitement and the uh, passion, and, <laughs> and I just, I like to... I like to chip in with my analysis and, you know, kind of balance it out a little bit, I guess, so to speak. Yeah, he definitely he definitely does bring the excitement um, right. to even, I even say that I don't have the passion. I should I should qualify. <laughs> I, I love this team. I love watching them. And it's been a lot of fun to experience their inaugural season. It has. It's been a blast. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your hockey life and what led you to your broadcasting position with the Royals. Yeah, absolutely. So I was born in Chicago, but I grew up in between San Francisco and San Jose. Growing up, I started my first love was baseball in terms of like what sports I watched. But I became a hockey fan in like the the mid 2000s. So right around that first lockout um, or maybe the second lockout. But yeah, I became a San Jose Sharks fan and loved the team from the minute that I started watching them. You know, I got to see players like Patrick Marlowe. Joe Thornton, Joe Pavelski, Dan Boyle, Danny Heatley, stuff like that. And it was so much fun to go and experience the games and watch them on TV. And yeah, I just fell in love with the sport. I probably got it from my dad, who um, grew up an Islanders fan on uh, on Long Island, New York. So kind of makes sense how I how I found the sport myself. But yeah, I never actually played it, but I got to watch so many games on TV growing up and got to experience a lot of fun times with the Sharks being pretty good for a long time. So uh, making the playoffs for however many years that was. But uh, recently it's been a little bit tougher. But yeah, specifically with the Royals, you know, it's funny, a, a former roommate of mine actually sent an article to me, I want to say earlier in 2022, just that hockey was coming back to the Rogue Valley. And because they had a team beforehand called the uh, Southern Oregon Spartans, but they they stopped playing uh, right around the pandemic and somebody else bought the team and rebranded it and stuff like that. And yeah, I just kind of, I saw that article and started doing some more research into it and found out that they had this, um, they were having this barbecue this summer, past summer for like the, the billet families it's called, you know, where like players stay with them and players from out of town stay with them and have meals and have a place to stay and stuff like that. And at the meeting, I wasn't sure what to expect, you know, with it being their first season and didn't know what positions they had open. But I told the owners what I was good at. I told them I had done some broadcasting before back in college, been a part of a sports talk show and had my own podcast. I actually did my own hockey podcast in uh, 2018 for about 10 episodes. But I told them what I was good at and uh, the rest is history. They were like, yeah, we need we need broadcasters. So this is this is perfect that you found us. <laughs> 
Now that's awesome because uh, it was it was the South Oregon Spartans or South Oregon Spartans. <laughs> wow, <laughs> Spartans, South Oregon Spartans. Hey, Chris, that wasn't French, by the way. <laughs> it's uh, it, it is a confusing name now that you say it out loud. So I I, I can very much relate to that. Yeah, the, the Spartans were the team that was out there. Um, kind of weirdly enough, still out on their own in terms of the. Uh, at that time, not so much the USPHL, but the WSHL, right? They were a WSHL organization, if I'm not incorrect. I've only lived here like four and a half years or so, so I okay. I didn't actually get to see them play, but I did meet somebody who worked for the team, and I talked to him a little bit more about it, but I wasn't sure exactly what league they were in, but that sounds that sounds right, because it wasn't, it wasn't the USPHL. I hadn't heard about no. that until, until this season. Yeah, the USPHL uh, kind of made its presence known out west a couple years ago around the pandemic time frame of, uh, what was it, 2020-2021 season. Because with everybody, like I said, it's something we try not to talk about on the podcast, but it hurt a lot of things. And uh, I'd say the 2020-2021 is when uh, a lot of those teams out of the, the Mountain Division of the WSHL just kind of merged right into the USPHL as the USPHL kept expanding and it just keeps expanding. So, and at the Pacific teams there in the, um, in the West uh, as well, there was only about, I think five teams, four or five. I think there's only four teams in the mountain division at that time and five teams in the Pacific. And um, yeah, they yeah. all just kind of, because I think there was a bunch of other teams in the WSHL that were elsewhere. And yeah, it was just a rough time. And uh and uh, they chose not to play, and those teams wanted to play, and I think they all just kind of went to different leagues. Um, that's how I that's how I see it. But, uh, yeah, the Rogue Valley Royals, Medford was, man, the Medford was hurting to have a junior hockey back, and you could tell because you guys really do fill the stands. Yeah, every single game, pretty much. I notice, I notice how many people, and you know, it's not always the same people. It's all, it's, it feels like there's definitely like people who show up to every game and either because you know they've got a kid on the team or because they just love hockey that much but i feel like it just i see different people every single game whenever i show up and it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun to experience it i was going to mention that i definitely have noticed in the stands like in terms of nhl jerseys i haven't seen a whole lot of kraken ones to be honest but i have seen i have seen a few san jose ones i think some boston tampa la vegas you know all these all these big name teams that that travel well, let's just say. <laughs> yeah, well, that's interesting you're bringing up the Kraken. You know, just give that a couple of years because you know we've talked about this in previous episodes because um, you saw you know you know expansion teams before in the old expansion drafts. The amazing thing was how the NHL has evolved, right? Because there was a ton of discussions back before the 2000s that the talent was getting too watered down. They should reduce the amount of teams that wasn't as competitive. And the truth was, it was just, we needed to get rid of two line passes, uh, all the hooking and all that stuff that was slowing down the game. But with the Golden Knights and with the Kraken, you know, it, it keeps saying this, like back, you know, before 2000, your third and fourth line players weren't that great of hockey players compared to the talent on the first and second line. So again, going back to those third and fourth line players, hey, you made the NHL way better than me. It's not a direct knock on your talent, right? It's just that the game has evolved and gotten so much better. 
So now when you throw these guys, when you're picking a team and sometimes it's, you know, you're, you know, they were getting some second, you know, line guys, but some are third and fourth. Those third and fourth line guys can rotate anywhere in the lineup, even including on the first line. So now they're so much more competitive because these guys are used to playing with different players. And that's why you just see them gel. I really like the approach of Ronnie Francis, uh, Sault Ste. Marie boy, by the way, everybody. Um, Ronnie Francis on this one because he didn't go all in like the Knights did, right? Like, man, they could have been an amazing team with such depth for so many years. And they're still a good hockey team. But, man, they gave up a lot of assets and draft picks early on. So um, give it a couple of years. You're going to see a ton more of those Kraken jerseys. And especially if they have a solid playoff run this year because they're looking they're looking really good. Don't they have some crazy road record right now, too? Like, aren't they just ripping it up on the road, Chris? I actually don't follow the NHL over here. <laughs> I, I mean, I think I talked to, I follow basically the USPHL and I watch all the games. I, I sometimes every three or four weeks, I catch up on Sabres highlights one morning, just spending a few hours rewatching all the games that month. That's about as much as I know what's happening. I mean, I know a few things happening with the NHL cause you know, I have Instagram and Twitter, but uh, I didn't know that Seattle was actually having. I thought they were doing okay. I didn't think they were tearing it up. Oh no, they, they're doing, they're they're having a good season. They are tearing it up for sure. They uh they're sitting second in the division right now. And you're right, uh, Steve. They've got six. They're sixteen five and two uh, away from home. It's crazy. Which is pretty crazy. insane. And there's such, and this is the thing about hockey and hockey fans, right? So there's, like, again, I'm a Habs fan, Yotes' second team. Uh, I like watching the Habs play because when that whole Patrick Wall thing happened, uh, it was pretty easy for me to watch them back then. But as a, as a fan of the game, the, the Kraken are a fun team to watch. They're fast, really fast. And that, I just love that style of hockey when it's just fast-paced, pushing at hockey. And there's a lot of teams this year. Like, even the Bruins, I'll admit, I like watching them play right now. Because they're just clicking, like everything is clicking on all cylinders for that team. So, so many good teams out there. And back to this one comment that Chris and I were talking about last week about the salary cap. Salary caps keep in the league like this. This is why, you know, one year you can be towards the basement of the league and all of a sudden shoot back up again. Because uh, so let's be honest, you're saying, did you uh, did you pick the Kraken to be doing as well as they were doing this year based on last season? No, absolutely not. I thought that based off of last season, that they were just going to be kind of meh for a while, I assumed. I just assumed that. Um, And boy, was I wrong. (laughs) Yeah, and I would have said the same thing. I didn't make my traditional preseason picks about where I thought everything was going to go and how it was going to peter out, but it just shows you the depth of hockey players now in this league, right? And when you can give somebody who had a third-line role, you know, first and second-line minutes, how much that can you know, really bolster a, a lineup. So there you go, Chris, we got that answer on out there for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I have a better chance of naming. If you told me to name players on the Kraken and players on the Royals, I have a better chance of naming more Royals than I do Kraken. Like that's how little any, I mean, the Sabres are probably going to be the well, Sabres and the Caps are probably going to be the only two teams that I'm at least vaguely familiar with at this point. But again, I don't, my time zone over here doesn't allow me to watch anything live unless I get really lucky on a Sunday. Well, Sunday nights, 
I can almost always get live um, USPHL hockey. And Saturday nights, I can get lucky. I think I got lucky this Saturday with a game at, oh, what was it? I'm here or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And so I got really lucky with like a 10.30 a.m. game. Was it Lake Tahoe? Somebody. I, I I got a, a 10.30 a game, so I was pretty happy about that because that's just not something I get that often. Uh, Sundays are usually my night here where I get to watch live hockey, get to enjoy it, and that's about it. Like I said, I could probably name all the goalies for the Royals, but I couldn't name one for the Kraken. That's where I'm at. Well, uh, so. if you want, we could uh, we could just do like 15 minutes on Tage Thompson and how unbelievable he <laughs> Yeah. We've, actually, yeah, we've actually talked about that on yes. the last podcast. Oh, yes. okay. Yeah, it was, it was kind of funny. And, and you know, just so you know, Sam, that podcast was really talking about player development. And, uh, you know, how, like you, I've obviously got a lot of sore spots when it comes to hockey. Uh, number one, don't defensemen, don't shove your the opposing opposition players into your goaltender. Uh, my biggest one. But the other one was player development and how fans get restless. Right. And. They expect somebody to be an all-star player at the age of 19. It just doesn't happen. I'm just going to say, I think at this point, Cole Caulfield's a bust. I think just trading <laughs> the Buffalo. You guys don't need him. Uh, he's. I don't think he's working out with Montreal. I think he's a bust. Just a, you know, just send him the Buffalo. He'll be fine. Uh, we'll, we'll get. We'll send you something. Uh, send that fifth round pick. Send that yeah, fifth cool. round pick that they wanted to give out for Thompson. There you go. I think that's fair. Fair enough. Right? You'll send him the uh, the ghost of Thomas Vanek. How about that? <laughs> we had him. <laughs> you guys he was did. actually on our team, and I was excited about Vanek at the time. Uh, I was really pumped for that trade, but that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so before we continue down the NHL route, we're going to go back a little bit more on Rogue Valley. Again, this is the first season of the Rogue Valley Royals. A lot happens in the first season. Tell us about some of your favorite moments so far of this uh, inaugural season. Yeah, it's been it's been an incredible journey to experience. I think that the owners have done a great job of of bringing hockey back to the Rogue Valley and experimenting a little more recently with um, some more marketing related stuff. But we'll get back to that in a little bit. But I think that definitely some of my favorite moments were, I mean, the first game was exciting. Like it doesn't matter what the result was. It was just exciting to experience to to feel the excitement in the in the building and you know introducing all the players and stuff like that. It was just it was an incredible time. But I also loved when we got our first home win in franchise history. Uh, that was over Bellingham back in October, and the players all did a lap around around the ice to celebrate with the fans. You know, they do they do meet and greets after most games and everyone was just so was just cheering them so much and so excited to be around and experience the win. That game also included Tyler Hansen having three goals and three assists, which I can't remember the last time I saw that ever, maybe. So just an incredible six point performance by him. And he's been an ex- extremely fun player to watch this season. I also enjoyed uh, when we got our first shutout in franchise history. That was also at home. Bryson Snow, right? Uh, yeah, he he played unbelievable that game, and we once again we've knocked off Bellingham five nothing, and uh, I think that was his that was one of his first performances or first starts for the team. So, you know, good to see the goalie competition has been 
has been fun to experience. You know, one game, one game you think one it's one guy, and next game, oh, somebody else plays well, and it's like I don't know, I don't know who's the number one goalie at this point. That's the ideal situation. Ideal. Exactly. You know, and especially because when you have, especially if they get along too, right? You know, so you when you have two goalies that are competing for the spot, but they also support each other, right? You know, putting the team above their own, you know, their own goals. Uh, it's it's awesome, right? When you just when you just have that kind of chemistry. And, and you know, going back to the NHL for a second to compare, like the Bruins got it going on with that right now. Two goalies playing really well and being it looks like they're in complete support of each other. So nothing but strength for a team. And hey, best thing for the fans too as well, right? Yeah, it's like whenever you can feel that whoever you're throwing in net that night, it's like you're going to get a good performance out of them. That's all. That's all you can really ask for. Yeah, yeah I completely uh, agree. And it's such a weird and specific position. And it's great when us goalies get along. But because of what is it? You got Frank, you got ETA, you got Snow and you got Edstrom in net there. And it's great if they all get along. Uh, but when it comes to wanting the net, uh, if I'm a coach, um, I want to see all four of them. All four of them fight for that net. Like we're we're friends off the ice, but uh, f you, it's my blue paint. Um, that's the attitude you want to see in your goalies, uh, in my opinion. That's uh, you know, it's not like well, I, we're we're good buddies, and it, it, he hasn't had a start in a few games. Too bad, <laughs> we're friends, but I'm better than you because uh, this is. This is the this is the one position like man like uh, at least in hockey I was I was trying to think I imagine quarterback would be kind of the same way it's that one position where you can be friends but you don't get to play unless you're the starter and you know the other guys you, even if you're the fourth line you might get a few minutes on the ice um, if you have a bad game you might be able to be overlooked but a goalie when they have a bad game everyone notices and. If you don't fight for the start, you won't get it. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how it goes. And it's been a good competition this season. We'll see how it plays out the rest of the year. Um, there's definitely been more of a consistency with Edstrom and Ned, but I think that all of the guys have capabilities to play to play good in any of these games. So before uh, we get into like the kind of second portion of this uh, this podcast, I do want to say. The end of Rafter Watch was devastating. So tell our listeners what it was and the chances for a potential resurgence. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny. In the uh, the rink with the three R's, which is where the, the Royals play, um, the ceiling, it's not like it's a low ceiling, but then these, these rafters that come down from the ceiling that make it so that it feels like where we, where Kyle and I do our broadcast, right, we can touch them. You know, like we're we're above the penalty box, but we can touch these rafters, like from where we're standing. And it's it's so low. And so early on in the season, we were realizing like how easy it was for the puck whenever somebody's trying to clear it from their defensive zone. The puck's just hitting these la- these rafters left and right. And we're like, huh, it's happening every game. That's interesting. Let's keep track of this. Um and so every home game we were keeping track of it. I think I want to say we went like 12 for 12 or something like that for the first dozen home games that we had. And uh, we kept saying, you know, we said we'd have a pizza party if it happens every game um, at the end of the year. So it was just a funny little weird thing of like, you know, sometimes sometimes, you know, maybe in an NHL arena with the scoreboard, wherever it is, like maybe you might hit it 
seems unlikely, you know, but with how low these rafters were, it's just like, it's so easy to clear a puck into them. It was just very funny to us to see how, how it kept happening over and over again. Unfortunately, it did end in December against Rock Springs um, in our most recent home series. We've done it. We managed to do it every other game except for that one, except for one game. But I'll have to run it by Kyle. I'll have to see what what his uh, his thoughts are. But uh, we'll see if it makes a reappearance before the season's over. I enjoyed watching it. Uh, each each one of the 18 teams in the uh, Western USPHL divisions um, have their own little things I, I look forward to and, and notice during games. And Rafter Watch is a big one for Rogue Valley. But each arena has its own little interesting and, and broadcast team. Uh, has its own kind of little extras that that make watching a game fun, and that's kind of what moves us into the second portion of this this podcast. Is you know we're we're exploring with a new way of uh, doing interviews moving forward uh, for you listeners, and uh, it's going to be where we get to talk to our interviewees. First time we have them on half of the episode, so to speak, ish is about them, and then the other half is just going to be on the topic. So. Uh, there's something else we can all kind of dive into and talk about and listen to. And we've gotten some good feedback. We're going to see how this goes and, and the moving way forward. But kind of the topic for this second part of the podcast is going to be play by play. Here we are. We have a broadcaster on the podcast and we want to know about what it's like because we know it's rough, but it's a rewarding job. It's not easy. For some reason, people think play by play is easy. It is not easy. And we want to talk about some of our favorite and least favorite uh, broadcasters and maybe broadcasting teams in the hockey world, gentlemen. Steve, this kind of triggered you the second I brought it up. <laughs> well, I was just waiting to see if anybody else was going to chime in here, but uh, favorite, just I got to go. I'll go back. No, I'll go back to favorite. Love your announcer for the uh, Buffalo Sabres. Do you see how many times people have tried to rip off his top shelf where mama hides the cookies? How many other broadcasters have tried to steal that little bit and change it a little bit? I'm like, no, 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 no. I did that (laughs) early in the season. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I think I heard it. Yeah. (laughs) But everyone does a little bit of it. So I'm not surprised because it's so common now at this point. Because he said that in the 90s, it's become such a common, it was such an infamous call at that point that everyone's tried to find a way to do their own little bit of development on it. Thing is, like, you have such an infamous call like that, or even Rick generates Mayday call, which today he says was not a planned one. Because obviously, and it makes sense, because Brad May was not a goal scorer. You're not expecting him to be a hero. But honestly, if you watch enough hockey... It's never the guy you expect to be the hero. That's what makes it more awesome. It's, you know, those those late, you know, those late playoff run goals are never scored, rarely scored by like the Ovies or the, the Crosby's. They're scored by the Walkers or the Ellers. You know what I mean? It's yeah, you, you don't expect I, who it's going to be. It's, it's obviously it's never the guy you expect. The first Stanley Cup victory ever for the San Jose Sharks back in 2016. Tough series against Pittsburgh. They played really well. I don't think that we, I don't think we could have won that series, generally speaking. But the first win we ever had was at home. We won in overtime. Do you have any idea who scored that goal? In 2016. Yeah. For to win the series. No, to to win our first ever Stanley Cup game. I watched all that series, and I'm trying to go back through it because what I remember most from that series. Okay, so 2016. 
I'm going back. What I remember most from that one was your now captain Couture. How bad his ankle was bashed up. I remember seeing the images from that. That's one of the ones that sticks in my head. But I'm trying to think of who the heck would have scored that yeah, goal. I'm trying to think like who would have because um, I remember the 2016. I mean, that's again, I lived in North America, so I watched that stuff. But it was game three. Game three went to overtime in San Jose. The man who scored the goal is now currently. Oh no, is he? He's either out of the league or he's on Colorado, one of the two. And I can't remember which one it is. <laughs> but it was Jonas Donskoy. And that man was like, I think that was his first season with the Sharks. And he was on the third line. You know, I remember listening to it afterwards. And the radio call was unbelievable for the Sharks. But the more fun part was the fact that it was being broadcasted to Finland. And the Finnish broadcasters went absolutely berserk when Don Scoy <laughs> scored that game-winning goal. It's one of my. Yeah, I remember they had a replay of that too. I, I believe they, you know, because uh, I love that too. When you hear the the announcements in other languages and hearing them go nuts, but I believe that was posted on Twitter because I remember watching it over just to watch them lose their minds. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of my favorite calls of all time. Just just celebrating, so ecstatic. I know that Dan Rusinowski on the Shark side, like he was. He was excited as well, but the Finnish announcers just took it to a new level that I had never heard before. And that's one thing, though, about those the European countries, right? You know, it's interesting. I've got friends. Uh, it's so funny. I make friends around the globe, and Chris will uh, attest to that because he was over in the UK when I started chatting with him. But good yeah. buddy of mine that lives in Finland right now. You so buddy talking about you. He's a huge Shane Doan fan from Finland. And... Wow. Uh, when he came here for a game, he just you comment. He goes, man, it's so quiet in the stands here, you know. So because they bring that European soccer vibe to to hockey matches, right? If you watch like what's what some of my favorite clips are the you know Swedish Premier Leagues and other leagues that are there for hockey, and you just see them going nuts in the stands constantly. Yeah, the EIHL, like the uh, Elite Ice Hockey League in uh, in England. I was like I said, I was a big Coventry Blaze fan there. Uh, which is how me and you began talking because you wanted to order a jersey <laughs> from Cardiff. And uh, that was only a couple hours away from me. And I tell you, they have a section for the away fans. So if we were playing the Nottingham Panthers, right, the Nottingham Panthers bus would show up and they'd have their own section. And they're not going to shut up during the game. They're going to sing their stupid Nottingham Panthers chants. No offense to you Nottingham Panthers fans, but go Blaze. <laughs> and... You know, you're like, well, we're not being outshined by the others, so we're going to do ours. So the whole game is just you yelling at each other. It's great. And it really it's an exciting atmosphere. And you're right, because even when I was in D.C. and I was sitting third row from the ice because there was these great seats I could always get on a discount. I was sitting down there the one time with my buddy from Boston and uh, this older woman was sitting right in front of us and we were talking and she turns around and she's like is it always this quiet here and we're like we're sorry because it was just a typical caps game right i'm like no it's just pretty calm she's like no she's like i'm from switzerland our hockey games are loud they're exciting people are chanting she's like it feels like somebody's died everyone's sitting <laughs> down nobody's yelling and it's like well we'll, we'll, we'll cheer during a goal and she's like, no, this isn't this this isn't hockey. Like 
they bring, like Steve says, that vibe you get from uh, European football matches. They bring that to the sport of hockey, and it's exciting. It's something that I would love to see more of in American sports, whether it's hockey or, or whatnot, is just that level of passion and that level of bringing you know, the energy to the game yourself. Like It's something that you don't really see, like you guys mentioned, unless there's occasions where a team like Boston or Chicago or New York fans will like, they'll start like a let's go Rangers fan in your arena. It's like, all right, well now we got to drown them out. But it's like, that's the, that's the full extent of it. It doesn't go anything beyond that. And I would love to see that being brought to American sports without a doubt. There's arenas I've been to enough. I'd still got to go to more. My, my goal is to, at some point, hit every NHL arena. But when you go into the Bell Center, it's the energy buzzing around the game before you even get in there. Playoff games there are nuts. It's just nuts. Because what's funny is, you know, they'll start the OLA chant, right? And people will be like, oh, my goodness, it's too early for that. I'm like, no, it's a chant. <laughs> in soccer, they do it all game long. It doesn't matter if you're scoring or you're beating the other team. It's just really to get you going, right? When they used to sing na 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 na, that, that was the one I'm like, hey, when there's three minutes left to go in a game, it's a 3-1 game. Let's, let's ease off on that. Yeah, this game is far from <laughs> over. But the OLA chant, yeah, let it go any at any point in the game. And my, I was at the, – the one thing that I love now is that other teams are doing that on-ice presentation like Montreal did for you know the playoffs. Like They were the first team to really do a big one. And I still remember in 2008 being there. Uh, game one against Boston and presentations on the ice and the chills, right? Because you see the whole history of the team. You know, you see images from past Stanley Cup runs, then images from the current team pushing it forward. So by the time they hit the ice, everybody was just so amped. And the place was already loud, like just nonstop screaming from the moment the puck dropped. And, and I remember we scored a goal something like two or three minutes in. It was a jet engine roar just insane i'm there head fully painted up in the upper bowl with a buddy and then literally a minute and a half later we get a second goal i lost my voice you know you know six seven minutes into the game it was a lot of fun um just love those type of atmospheres right now the little mullet arena that the coyotes are playing in is getting a bit of a knock but to be honest with you i've been there three times now and it really just feels like a jam-packed lower bowl you know, you don't really because I'm not, you know, spending my time looking up above me going, hey, there's a lot less seats. I'm just watching the game. So it's a fun atmosphere to be in, to be honest with you, because it is jam packed down there. I do agree there could be, you know, just certain games like more energy, right? Do more to get the fans going, do more to, to rev everybody on up. But it's just something about playoff hockey, too, because I'm trying to think like when I was with there with the Coyotes, you know, for their deep run, it, it was loud in there, too. Not quite Montreal loud yet, but it was loud. So something about getting those fans into the game is just you know just awesome and how is it you know for you sam when you're in a game and the fans are all amped up do you find that it affects your announcing like are you more energetic oh absolutely without a doubt i think that we we have our our headset over our ears so that helps block out like a, a little bit of of certain noises that helps us focus in but like we can feel it we can feel it in the moment when the when the crowd's going nuts it brings a smile to your face it gets you more excited. We obviously love it no matter what time we're doing it, but that's probably when we're at our peak, I would say. Now, is there anything you do to switch it on up? Say it's a low point in the game where, because I know like, you know, the fans can't hear you that are in the arena. 
But do you announce any differently when the, you know the team needs a shot, you know, needs a little little boost to get going? That's interesting because, I like I said earlier, you know, Kyle's usually the one to, to bring the levels of that sort of thing sometimes to us. But I think that I just try to give my analysis of like, here's what I'm hoping to see from the team going forward, either the rest of this period, the rest of the game, something to just kind of give us hope on what I what I hope that the team will do so that we start bringing the energy back up sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You see that common in the NHL too, right? Where they're going over, you know, what they need to do to get a spark going. Right. So, so back to some favorite announcers, um, you know, again, some Habs bias here, but who's, you know, Oh, I, I scream that every time the Habs score, you know, it's an iconic one for me because it's the French Canadian one, you know, sticking on out. I'd like the interesting announcers because a lot of people will bash Tyson Nash for the Arizona Coyotes, but he's bringing his brand to it, right? He's got all these awesome Nashisms that he just throws in there, you know, and I love it. And some people just can't stand it, but there's a lot of Canadianisms, a lot of like, he just sounds like he's like in the locker room shooting the breeze with the boys a bit, right? While announcing the game. One interesting take, though, about the announcing part was when uh, Paul Bissonette, good old Biz Nasty, jumped in the in the booth. And he just said it felt weird for him to criticize players that he knew were a way better hockey player than him, right? It was, you know, him stepping back going like, who am I to call out so-and-so? mistake on the ice there it took him this is going back to when he made that comment to adjust to doing that right just going okay because i've seen hockey players say that too oh you try to go do it well well i'm not a hockey you know i'm not a professional hockey player so of course i'm not going to be able to do what you do right i'm not getting paid to do that either but it was just an interesting take like have you ever found yourself in that kind of moment going like man like who am i to criticize this player or, or any any type of moment like that for you at all absolutely it's such a fine line that you have to walk as a broadcaster, because obviously you love the team that you're broadcasting for and you want to see them do well. You know, sometimes passion for that can come out in maybe the wrong way, basically. And I'd say that as someone who I never actually played hockey myself, it's something where it's like, I I completely agree with what Bissonette said, where it's like, who am I to criticize how they're doing something? Like, it's just, it's very hard to want to be critical because I don't know how they're doing it. I've never done it myself. You know, being a goalie in any league, especially in the USPHL, is not easy. You're facing these kids who are fast, who are tough, who are strong. And it's like, you know, shots are coming from all over the place. It's like, it's it's just, it's it's something that you more have to marvel at it than want to criticize it. Mm-hmm. That's a good take. So back to this portion of it, who are some of your favorites, Sam? When yeah, and it can be from any league, you know, from USPHL to the NHL. Who are some of your favorite announcers and why? Well, I would say that in terms of the NHL, my all-time favorite is Doc Emmerich. Now, I that's not a, a hot take. I'm sure that we all agree on that. He just he made the game so exciting. I loved hearing his voice in the playoffs and year round. And I miss him dearly. But that's my number one. And then in terms of I don't watch necessarily a ton of like opposing teams broadcasts. I mostly I mostly just watch the Sharks and I'm definitely biased in that way. But I think that Randy Hahn has done an incredible job as a broadcaster for the Sharks for a very, very long time. I think he's been there since pretty much the beginning. And 
he's just now getting the national recognition that he deserves. And I think he just does a great job of not being biased. I think he calls the goals almost as exciting for the opposing team as for the Sharks. So I think that's something that I strive to be. It's not easy sometimes, but I certainly want to be more like him and Dan Rusinowski and, you know, these guys that I've spent a long time watching and listening to, basically. Quick question. Brian Hayward, who is he the announcer for? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go back and look because he's a former half. I want to say he's. Yeah, he's the former goalie, but he, yeah, Anaheim Ducks. And that's one I wanted to point out because I knew he was with a, an L.A. team. Him being a Montreal Canadian, of course, got to like the guy, but holy cow biased. Holy <laughs> cow biased announcing. Sorry, Brian. That's the stuff I call it all the time. Like, you know, I love the unbiased announcing. And that's why I'm glad you brought up Doc because he was great. He announced like a goal was a goal and he announced the game. And that's what I used to love about the CBC in Canada was they just called the game. You didn't hear that they were rooting for one team more than another. You know, it was just great. Like, here's the call on the ice. Here it is. A goal goes in. You hear, you know, the announcer, you know, announce that they got their goal. Great, right? I've seen a flip from that where sometimes I don't even want to, you know, I don't want to listen to the CBC announcers, right, because there's such bias. Like, and there's guys that sometimes, as soon as I hear their voices, I'm like, oh, here comes the here comes the Habs bashing, or here comes, you know, if it's, say, the Canucks versus the Leafs, well, yeah, here comes, like, a whole bunch of pro calls for the Leafs. Like, I don't, I want to hear your opinion, your insider opinion, right? Like, if you're closer to the team, something that we may not know, right? Or, you know, something else that's unique to you. But I don't want to hear the bias in the calling. Like, a penalty is a penalty. And I think we all agree on this one, Jack Edwards. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. <laughs> Horrible. Like, goodness, the crap that comes out of that guy's mouth <laughs> is just atrocious, right? So, and and this goes back to Pat Maroon. Pat Maroon, way to handle that, man. Just epic. Shows the class of an individual over top of that type of garbage that comes in out there. But, like, for me, sometimes, like, I know for you guys in play-by-play, -play, you can't see it right away, right? And, and I, you know, yeah, I know your monitors that you get to review stuff on aren't, like, my, our, you know, giant screen TVs, right? So sometimes you guys are going to miss a call. But my goodness, like, when I hear an announcer, when you see the obvious trip or hook, when they're trying to act like it wasn't or, you know, the embellishment of their own home team, those are the things that just make me twitch. So love a good play-by-play -play caller, though, because, man, it just, you know, when you're at home and you're – to say you step away for a second, because Chris will say it himself, you step away from the game and all of a sudden you hear that urgency in the voice or that sudden excitement, you're peeling on back to that television because you're like, you know something's going on right now. There's something important happening and you want to drive right back into that room to go see what's going on. You know, Chris alluded to it, like there's no way what you guys do is easy. Not a, not a chance whatsoever. So to you, you, you don't really have to call a person out like I did, but is there anybody that you would not want to emulate as an announcer? Oh man, kind of wish I'd come up with an answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's mean, a tough one. Jack Edwards is is like an obvious one but it's it's a little different i'd say i was just going to mention that like the you know the hot take thing that's taking over the sports world these days where it's like where you hear all these biases and it seems like people are driving towards that more it's like it definitely bothers me too so all i know is i just don't want to be like that that's not what i'm trying to do you know your stephen a smith's your skip baylis's your your jack edwards your whoever 
whoever fits that category. Like that's just that's just not what I'm trying to be. It's such a sensitive topic, right? You know, we're relying on you guys for good information and to get that excitement from the game and get the call right. And I guarantee it's happened to you because I could see it happen to anybody where you get wrapped up in the moment of your game where that high energy is going and you may not make the call that you want to call. But, you know, it's again, kudos to you for being able to do it because uh, I would get kicked out, number one, from swearing right off the get go, yelling out BS to a bad call or, you know, (laughs) something else to a player not doing their job. Right. A.K.A shoving your shoving somebody into your goalie i would get in a lot of trouble for that but one thing that chris and i joked about i always wanted to do the extreme sports announcing station where you can just call it out full swears full everything and just throw it on out there <laughs> going back to you may want to be coached by your peewee hockey coach again to make that easy save type of thing now again i wouldn't be so hard on a goalie that brutal but, yeah i was uh, gonna say i'd cut you right there <laughs> you're cut you're fired you gotta protect your own come on now yeah <laughs> all right well i i gotta admit there's sometimes when you you see one going on your your favorite attendee and you're like oh man or not even your favorite one going buddy you can tell their head wasn't in the moment for that split second on that shot, right? So. Oh yeah, I yell at the TV all the time. Yeah. I yell yeah. at the TV all the time. Oh, me and its reps, its players, like you know, like I was saying from, I was watching the Habs lease game from this weekend, and uh, just so you know, Sam, I married a Leaf fan, being a Habs fan. Oh and, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I didn't want to turn the game on because my team was really injury depleted. And I knew I could really ruin my mood for the night. <laughs> but I was like, no, you know what? I love watching these boys play. I'm going to do it anyway. Turn on the TV. We're down, already down one nothing. And I was like, oh, wonderful. And it's 2 nothing. But I noticed we're playing okay, you know. And I'm really rooting for Sam Montembeau to keep improving his game because he's doing a pretty good job there now. On a goalie standpoint, Chris, he was swimming around his crease a lot, you know, would lose positioning on the second shot. And he's recovering a lot better this year from that. So, you know, kudos to him. But then the injury-depleted Habs uh, tied the game up uh, and won it in overtime. And when I go to knock a team, I know we're only halfway through the season, right? But if this is the effort that the Leafs put in against a team that's struggling right now, gosh, man, you, you need you need more. You can't let those games go because this, this is like a preview to the playoffs again. you got to find more fight drive, right? So again, halfway point of the season could be a lot more going on than I know. But one of my biggest criticisms when I watch a team play, I can accept a loss as long as a good effort is put out there, right? But no, I think that's a great spot to wrap this up. And uh, if anyone wants to hear a little bit more about maybe bias calls or whatever else, definitely make sure to check out our bonus episode, which will air at some point after this episode not immediately but probably right before the following week's episode which will be the standouts for the usphl west for january 2023 we again want to thank our special guest broadcaster for the usphl's rogue valley royals sam maluth sam thanks for taking the time to jump on with us today thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it we appreciate you reaching out excited to watch uh, maybe it's a little bit more um rafter watch moving forward but uh we do want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in be sure to reach out if you're in the junior collegiate hockey worlds and wish to get on a future podcast also follow us on twitter phh official or on instagram at phh podcast or even on tiktok at pigeon hockey podcast to let us know what you think this is the pigeon hockey podcast with chris and steve have a great one hockey fans
And remember, listeners, always clear your crease.